is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811. And well, this I don't know what this is. Every damn winter, I get the flu or cold or some combination, and I've got it. So unfortunately, this will be my last show of the year. I had intended yesterday to be my last show of the year, but I'm really trying to muscle through today. But I think it's important. I told you I would be here, and I'm here. My buddy Ben Ferguson is going to fill in tomorrow. You know, um, there's so much going on. It's the final show for me of the year. So I want to focus on something positive before we get to the rest of it. I listened to President Trump's speech today. It was an incredible speech. It was an outstanding speech. The liberal media either give it no play or downplay it. And it's too bad. And my buddies over at Conservative Review are correct. They wrote a piece over there, Jordan Schachtel, calling it Trump national security strategy is Reagan's third term. And it is. It is a, a muscular yet prudential national security strategy. Therefore, it is quite different than Barack Obama's, which was oriented in appeasement and the surrender of American sovereignty and uh, capitulation. And we pay a big price for something like that. But it really was an outstanding speech. I mean, I have to say, and I've been saying this now for a couple of months, if you're a Reagan conservative, or a constitutional conservative, or a traditional conservative, there's different phrases and labels given to the same thing. You have to be very, very pleased right now with the direction that President Trump is taking this country, or trying to take this country. You really do. You can disagree on particulars, you can disagree, and I do on this tax stuff and so forth, but still, still, his first year has been highly successful particularly when you consider the forces arrayed against him. People are attacking this man who would be celebrating this man if his name was Jeb Bush and he conducted himself the way Jeb Bush did. He is he is advancing the cause of liberty. He's advancing the cause of security. He's not a code pink Republican. He's not a uh, isolationist. That's abundantly clear. On the other hand, he's not a radical interventionist of the Lindsey Graham sort. He's desperately trying to build up the United States military, but he can't do it on his own. He needs funding from Congress, but he's desperately trying to do it. He's confronting North Korea. It was dropped in his lap. He's confronting Iran and what Iran did on the the Iran deal, and more on that in a little bit. He's taking on the Iran deal. He's trying to secure the borders the way he said he wanted to secure the borders. But the Democrat Party, the bureaucracy, and the courts are against him. Not to mention some Republicans. 
And I think so many Americans are just pleased that he's not Barack Obama or a leftist that they're out there shopping. Consumer spending is up. Unemployment is way down. Do you know our friends at CNS News have reported in the reporting now that black unemployment is the lowest in 17 years? Black unemployment under Donald Trump is far lower than it was under Barack Obama. Have you heard this on CNN? No, because CNN is not a news outlet. Have you heard this on MSNBC? No, because the IQ collectively is negative seven. The networks don't tell you about it. Black organizations don't tell you about it. The unemployment rate among blacks today is the lowest in 17 years. That's the truth. And so I look at this president, the substance of what he's doing, and I'm thankful that he was elected over Hillary Clinton. He even did something that all his, all the prior presidents said they would do in the 70-year history of the modern state of Israel, and that is recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital and move the embassy. And in order to move the embassy, you first have to recognize Jerusalem as the capital. Well, Donald Trump has done that. And even some of his ardent supporters didn't believe he would do that. I was very skeptical, and he did it. And he did it. And still, you've got neoconservatives out there, among others, who are unappreciative or are appreciative only in passing. I just think there's so many people in the media, whether it's the big lib media that they call the mainstream media inaccurately, pseudo-conservative media, of which there's too much, or whatever it is, who are personally vested in Trump failing because they wrote so many columns or made so many speeches or attended so many panel events or think tank events or were on Fox, whatever, so thoroughly and completely against him, even up to the point of the general election. They wanted him to lose. They said they did. They voted for the third party guy who was some staffer on Capitol Hill. That for their own careers, their own egos, and their own mindset, they cannot give Trump a break. And they're not going to. That's why they need to be dismissed. They need to be dismissed. I call them as I see them, as you know. Since this is the last show of the year, I'm just, you know, summing things up. As I was for Cruz, strongly for Cruz, throughout the Republican primaries... Not the early ones I was still assessing, but jumped in early enough. And then come September, I endorsed Trump. And I think, you know, when you put a couple of issues aside, Trump is the most conservative president since Ronald Reagan. I don't think there's any debate about that. I really don't. And if they'd send him a repeal Obamacare bill, he'd sign it in two seconds, which they won't do. If they would have sent him a tax bill that cuts tax rates across the board, he would have signed that too. But they're not sending him that. He's changing the face of the judiciary. Oh, I shouldn't say face because of the racists out there. Oh, what do you mean by that? He's changing the makeup of the judiciary. Obama tried to pull it to the radical left. And Trump is trying to pull it to constitutionalism. Again, these are big things. Very big things. And I feel like Trump is becoming more conservative the more he's in office. I really do. I think he's seeing more and more things 
through the lens of liberty and limited government because he's having to deal with this entrenched bureaucracy. There's even a big piece in Bloomberg which acknowledges this. In Bloomberg, of all places, Washington bureaucrats are quietly working to undermine Trump's agenda by Christopher Flavel and Benjamin Bain. December 18th, today, Bloomberg. If I have time, I'll get into that later, too. We know that's true. We have a permanent government. It's called the administrative state. And that was the whole goal of the progressives over 100 years ago. Elections are important from their perspective, but the purpose of an election is to keep building the permanent part of the government and to put as many judges as you can in to, to protect them from uh, future elections. It's all written about in Rediscovering Americanism. But let's go back to Trump. He spoke today about his comprehensive national security strategy speech. And he also needed to do this because he's pushing for significant increases in defense spending, which are crucial. And his proposal is very similar to Reagan's in 87 and 88. And as CR points out, he borrows from the strategies implemented by President Reagan in his campaign to defeat the Soviet Union. And I did the same thing in my goal and my arguments to defeat what China's up to. An entire pillar of the Trump strategy is dedicated to preserving peace through strength, a phrase that Reagan used. This realist approach to foreign affairs recognizes that a dedication to ensuring American hegemony preserves stability and reduces the chance for conflict. Similar to Reagan, President Trump recognizes that ideological warfare is an essential component of of a grand strategy. The Trump national security strategy promises to deny violent ideologies the space to take root, I'm quoting, includes combating the evil ideology of jihadists by exposing their falsehoods, promoting counter-narratives, and amplifying credible voices. Both Trump and Reagan, their policies, recognize the tools or elements of national power that America can use to challenge adversaries and support allies. Obama famously refused to recognize that there was an Islamic element to radical jihadist movements that were proliferating the globe during his tenure. Obama took pains to distance Islam from the ideology of terrorist organizations, once famously declaring that ISIS is not Islamic. President Trump refuses to take the politically correct approach. His national security strategy mentions radical Islamist ideology several times and details that their ideology calls for a worldwide Islamic caliphate and submission to Sharia law. And as many leftist outlets have already reported, the Trump plan drops climate change from threats to national security, promising to counter the anti-growth energy agenda that is detrimental to U.S. economic and energy security interests. I'm quoting from his plan. The Obama national security strategy claimed that climate change was one of the major threats facing the U.S. and world as a whole. President Trump first introduced the concept of principled realism in May while delivering his first major foreign policy speech in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. He said, for our part, America is committed to adjusting our strategies to meet evolving threats and new facts. We will discard those strategies that haven't worked. We will apply new approaches informed by experience and judgment. We are adopting a principled realism rooted in common values and shared interests. Now, principled realism, folks, can be described as a combination of realism and pragmatism. 
it recognizes that sovereign nations will and should put their interests first. Principled realism announces a departure from the Bush and Obama era, which was linked to neoconservative and Wilsonian worldviews. Bush and Obama articulated more of a global standard for international relations. The Trump national security strategy claims to recognize the world for what it is, not for what it ought to be. Trump's national security strategy labels in no particular order North Korea, Iran, China, Russia, and radical jihadist groups as the chief threats to the United States, detailing the several ways these states seek to undermine America's standing in the world on China. The national security strategy seeks to roll back China's criminal behavior against the U.S. The strategy calls out Beijing for stealing intellectual property valued at hundreds of billions of dollars. The strategy recognizes Russia as a nation that seeks to weaken U.S. influence in the world and divide us from our allies and partners. But it also remains open to cooperate, to cooperate across areas of mutual interest in both countries. North Korea is said to be ruled as a ruthless dictatorship without regard for human dignity. And the national security strategy states, warning Pyongyang's growing cyber, nuclear, and ballistic missile programs. It takes a no-holds-barred approach to discussing the destabilizing activities of Iran. It says the Iranian regime sponsors terrorism around the world. It is developing more capable ballistic missiles and has the potential to resume its work on nuclear weapons and could threaten the United States and our partners. It recognizes the threat posed excuse me, not just by ISIS and al-Qaeda, but all jihadi entities. And it goes on. It is an extremely substantive, comprehensive, thoughtful document, but even more, it's right on the money. It's right on the money. The president has laid out a successful, rational, thorough foreign policy agenda, national security agenda. The problem is we have a thoroughly irrational and in many respects, contemptible opposition party that will try to undermine him, even if it means undermining the country. More on this. You'll get to hear from the president, some of what he had to say today, as soon as I return. Mark President had to say, because I think what he said was profound and really has uh, put the nation back on the right path in dealing with national security. We've kind of moved off that path in the past with various uh, doctrines, uh, various ideological approaches, uh, and the last president he completed another disaster as he tries to grow his own legacy and popularity in foreign lands, thereby growing them here among the kook left but undermined our military and undermined our allies every step of the way. That's what he did. And we'll be talking about uh, the U.N. There was a vote in the U.N. that actually attempted to undermine American sovereignty as well as Israeli sovereignty. There was a vote in the U.N. Security Council called for a declaration for the United States to withdraw, didn't name the country, but it meant us, <coughs> for the United States to withdraw its declaration that Jerusalem was the capital of Israel. So here we have the United Nations trying to substitute 
its decision for our decision. Absolutely appalling, a direct attack on our national sovereignty as well as Israel's national sovereignty. The only country to vote against it, that is to veto it, and it was brought up by the Egyptians, I believe they claim Cairo as their capital, was the United States. One country, the United States, we're the only ones who voted. Absolute menace is the UN. Now, I have a view on this. <clears throat> no, 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 forget about Israel and the United States. I think this. There are certain countries that voted this way. Uh, a, an expanded National Security Council. It wasn't just the original numbers. But there were some of them, too. But I think uh, the U.K. claims London as its capital. As of now, I am rejecting that. I don't believe London should be the capital of the U.K. Therefore, it is not the capital of the U.K. France claims Paris as its capital. I don't agree with that. Paris should not be the capital of France, so I reject that. So for now on, Paris is not the capital of France. Russia claims Moscow as its capital. Well, I don't agree with that. Moscow is not the capital of Russia, henceforth. China says Beijing is its capital. I don't believe that. So we reject Beijing as the capital of China. Of course, Egypt claims Cairo. Well, since Egypt brought up this issue at the UN, no, we reject that too. See, ladies and gentlemen, Jerusalem, to the Jews, has been in existence more than any of these other capitals. So I reject all these capitals from now on. The cost of freedom is high, but this phone call is not. Call Mark Levin toll-free at 877-381-3811. I want to play you a few clips of the president today. His speech was very inspiring. And he gave it, not, you know, coincidentally, not coincidentally, at the Reagan building, Washington today. The media try to make this man a bumbling buffoon. Certain Republicans like Corker and Flake do the same thing. Donald Trump is doing more in the areas like this for the cause of conservatism, liberty, and constitutionalism than all of them combined. What has Corker done for that? What has Flake done for that? And, of course, CNN, MSNBC, and the rest are absolute disasters. Doesn't mean I won't criticize when I feel I should, as I did Reagan, even when I was in the administration. But that's beside the point. It's beside the point. Cut one, go. But to seize the opportunities of the future, we must first understand the failures of the past. For many years, our citizens watched as Washington politicians presided over one disappointment after another. To many of our leaders, so many, who forgot whose voices they were to respect and whose interests they were supposed to defend. Our leaders in Washington negotiated disastrous trade deals that brought massive profits to many foreign nations, but sent thousands of American factories and millions of American jobs to those other countries. Our leaders engaged in nation-building abroad while they failed to build up and replenish our nation at home. They undercut and shortchanged our men and women in uniform, with inadequate resources, unstable funding, and unclear missions. 
They fail to insist that our often very wealthy allies pay their fair share for defense, putting a massive and unfair burden on the U.S. taxpayer and our great U.S. military. Cut to go. They neglected a nuclear menace in North Korea, made a disastrous, weak, and incomprehensibly bad deal with Iran, and allowed terrorists such as ISIS to gain control of vast parts of territory all across the Middle East. Now, let's stop right there. We just seem to shrug it off or take it for granted, or many of our friends and neighbors do, of what's been accomplished here by Trump and his generals, by our magnificent military men and women. We've effectively destroyed ISIS. Now, I know there are remnants of it, and there will be in other parts of the world, but I'm talking about the so-called ISIS caliphate. It doesn't exist anymore. It was done in nine to ten months. Now, not only was Barack Obama and not only was Joe Biden, were they incompetence, but they allowed the most horrific kind of genocide to take place in the last many years since Cambodia. It was horrific. It was unbelievable what was taking place. This is the sort of thing that Obama's policies brought. They're not compassionate and humane policies. Appeasement never is. Obama had no guts. He had no courage. He had no foresight. He had no vision. He rejects history and its lessons because he's a pure, radical progressive. He's an ideologue. Go ahead. They put American energy under lock and key. They imposed punishing regulations and crippling taxes. They surrendered our sovereignty to foreign bureaucrats in far away and distant capitals. And over the profound objections of the American people, our politicians left our borders wide open. Millions of immigrants entered illegally. Millions more were admitted into our country without the proper vetting needed to protect our security and our economy. Leaders in Washington imposed on the country an immigration policy that Americans never voted for, never asked for, and never approved. A policy where the wrong people are allowed into our country and the right people are rejected. American citizens, as usual, have been left to bear the cost and to pick up the tab. On top of everything else, our leaders drifted from American principles. They lost sight of America's destiny, and they lost their belief in American greatness. I just think those comments in particular were outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Cut three, go. In Afghanistan, our troops are no longer undermined by artificial timelines, and we no longer tell our enemies of our plans. We are beginning to see results on the battlefield, and we have made clear to Pakistan that while we desire continued partnership, 
We must see decisive action against terrorist groups operating on their territory. And we make massive payments every year to Pakistan. They have to help. Our efforts to strengthen the NATO alliance set the stage for significant increases in member contributions, with tens of billions of dollars more pouring in, because I would not allow member states to be delinquent in the payment while we guarantee their safety and are willing to fight wars for them. We have made clear that countries that are immensely wealthy should reimburse the United States for the cost of defending them. This is a major departure from the past, but a fair and necessary one. Cut four, go. A nation that does not protect prosperity at home cannot protect its interests abroad. A nation that is not prepared to win a war is a nation not capable of preventing a war. A nation that is not proud of its history cannot be confident in its future. And a nation that is not certain of its values cannot summon the will to defend them. Now those words are truly outstanding. It is a message to our fellow citizens. And when you listen to what he's saying, and when you listen to the left, we're really two different worlds, aren't we? Two different worlds. Go ahead. Today, grounded in these truths, we are presenting to the world our new national security strategy. Based on my direction, this document has been in development for over a year. It has the endorsement of my entire cabinet. Our new strategy is based on a principle realism, guided by our vital national interests and rooted in our timeless values. Realism is correct. And you notice he talks about America first, America first, America first. Well, any president that doesn't talk about America first isn't worth being president like Obama. The job of the President of the United States is always America first. Now, that doesn't mean you don't enter into agreements and treaties and do what you need to do, but the goal has to be to defend, promote, nurture your own country. You're the president. You're the only president we have. This is something the left will not comprehend because the left believes... Look, what did I say the other day about progressivism? Progressivism is the bastard child of Marxism. What's Marxism about? Marxism is about a world revolution, a worldwide revolution. There are no nation states per se. So they keep pushing the borders into other countries. Well, that's what progressivism is all about. Progressivism doesn't believe that its ideology ends at the border, nor does it believe that our governing structure under the Constitution is the end-all and be-all. Because, as I also said the other day, progressivism and constitutionalism are antithetical. That is, there is no way that one can survive and the other survive at the same time. It's not possible. In the end, it's not possible. That's why I worry about 10, 20, 50 years from now what this country is going to look like. Uh, and you have federal judges who are progressives. 
We have one today, another court, I should say, commands that the president continue Barack Obama's contraception policy. We'll not allow him to end it. We have these uh, these judicial kings, this this oligarchy, and Trump's trying to address it as best as he can as well with new appointments. Cut five, go. This strategy recognizes that whether we like it or not, we are engaged in a new era of competition. We accept that vigorous military, economic, and political contests are now playing out all around the world. We face rogue regimes that threaten the United States and our allies. We face terrorist organizations, transnational criminal networks, and others who spread violence and evil around the globe. We also face rival powers, Russia and China, that seek to challenge American influence, values, and wealth. We will attempt to build a great partnership with those and other countries, but in a manner that always protects our national interest. Right. Cut six. We must protect the American people, the homeland, and our great American way of life. This strategy recognizes that we cannot secure a nation if we do not secure our borders. So for the first time ever, American strategy now includes a serious plan to defend our homeland. It calls for the construction of a wall on our southern border, ending chain migration and the horrible visa and lottery programs, closing loopholes that undermine enforcement and strongly supporting our Border Patrol agents, ICE officers, and Homeland Security personnel. Everything he just said there, which is obvious common sense, is opposed by the Democrat Party. Everything he just said there. Construction of a wall on the southern border, ending chain migration, ending the lottery program, closing loopholes that undermine enforcement, strongly supporting those who, who apply the enforcement. The left, the Democrat Party, and many of their ethnic front groups and constituent organizations absolutely reject this. I want you to think about that. We've got people within the country, including a major political party, if not the biggest political party, that has as its mission to turn the country inside out. Absolutely incredible. From within. You understand this when you understand progressivism. Now, the truth is, I've called progressivism utopian statism. And I like that phrase better. But in order to explain progressivism, I had to use the nomenclature of the progressives in rediscovering Americanism, as I point out in the beginning of the book. All right, let's go to cut seven. Go. In addition, our strategy calls for us to confront, discredit, and defeat radical Islamic terrorism and ideology and to prevent it from spreading into the United States. And we will develop new ways to counter those who use new domains such as cyber and social media to attack our nation or threaten our society. The second pillar of our strategy is to promote American prosperity. For the first time, American strategy recognizes that economic security is national security. Economic vitality, growth, and prosperity at home is absolutely necessary for American power and influence abroad. 
Any nation that trades away its prosperity for security will end up losing both. That is why this national security strategy emphasizes more than ever before the critical steps we must take to ensure the prosperity of our nation for a long, long time to come. The reason I've remained so silent as he speaks is because I think it's important that you hear what he has to say. You're not going to hear it from these other programs. You're not going to hear it from television stations. I just think it's crucially, crucially important what he's doing here. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Show of the year. Boo, 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 boo. I'm glad you're with us. Doing a lot of holiday shopping from your mobile device, but retailers expect 54% of holiday shoppers to visit their sites from mobile devices. Scammers see this as an opportunity to steal your credit card information and other personal data by distributing phony retail apps. Be cautious and only download apps from reputable app stores and read the reviews for any complaints about malware. One in four people have experienced identity theft. If you're only monitoring your credit, your identity can still be stolen in ways you may not detect. Thieves could sell your information on the dark web or get an online payday loan in your name. LifeLock detects a whole range of identity thefts of identity threats. If you have a problem, U.S.-based restoration specialists will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. LifeLock can uncover threats that you might miss. So join now, get 10% off with promo code LEVIN, that's L-E-V-I-N, or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. You can go to LifeLock.com, use promo code LEVIN, that's LEVIN, to save 10% now. All right, let's play one more clip here, Mr. Producer. Cut eight, go. The third pillar of our strategy is to preserve peace through strength. We recognize that weakness is the surest path to conflict, and unrivaled power is the most certain means of defense. For this reason, our strategy breaks from the damaging defense sequester. We're going to get rid of that. It calls for a total modernization of our military and reversing previous decisions to shrink our armed forces, even as threats to national security grew. It calls for streamlining acquisition, eliminating bloated bureaucracy, and massively building up our military, which has the fundamental side benefit of creating millions and millions of jobs. This strategy includes plans to counter modern threats, such as cyber and electromagnetic attacks. It recognizes space as a competitive domain and calls for multi-layered missile defense. I'm going to stop it there, and I'm just going to say this. When you look at what this man has been accomplishing... When you look at what this man's policies have been, I agree with, I bet, 85%, maybe 90% at this point. He deserves our support. 
I would like to encourage those at the Weekly Standard and National Review, encourage those at the Wall Street Journal, and some of these other never-Trumper outlets, with certain notable exceptions, of course, at each one of them, and all the others out there. It's time you really try to think these things through with a sober mind. We need this man. You see what he's doing in national security. You see he's trying to build up defense. You see he's trying to secure our nation state. You see what he's doing with the judiciary. You see what he's doing with the economy. Wake the hell up! Wake the hell up! From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know... It's our last show of the uh, year. Um, my buddy Ben Ferguson will be here tomorrow, and we'll have some wonderful guest hosts and some wonderful best of shows, too. So it's my last show of the year. But, you know, ladies and gentlemen, much has been said about Neville Chamberlain. Peace in our time. Waving around a peace agreement with Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler smiling doing exactly what he did, helping to set up the U.K. and as well as other countries. You know, Barack Obama was worse than Neville Chamberlain. You see, Neville Chamberlain not only claimed peace in our time, uh, just claimed peace in our time, but Barack Obama gave the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, which is a genocidal regime, $150 $150 billion. Before that, he gave them $1.7 billion in his secret plane flight. Remember where they moved currency? Currency of other countries? One of these big pads and delivered it in the middle of the night and the airplane didn't have a number on it. The goal was so it wouldn't be identified. Can you imagine a president doing this sort of stuff? Barack Obama armed Armed the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. Armed the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran that has killed American soldiers. Killed other Americans. Has made it abundantly clear it wants ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles, so it can reach the United States with nuclear warheads, which he intends to get in the next 7, 8, 9, 10 years. There was also a story in Politico at one point by Josh Meyer, who pointed out how Barack Obama and his national security team lied to us about these side secret deals, where rather than pursue certain of the Islamo-Nazi regime's operatives, including one who was helping develop or steal nuclear technology, they let him go, or they wouldn't pursue them, and they put the word out. Well, folks... There's now more to this. In order to get this Iran deal, not only was the Constitution subverted, not only were 
where uh, international felons and international terrorist supporters allowed to go. Now it turns out that the Obama administration, quote, how Hezbollah turned to trafficking cocaine and laundering money through used cars to finance its expansion. And the head of the, the title of the story is The Secret Backstory of How Obama Let Hezbollah Off the Hook. Now, if Barack Obama would, was still president, he should have been impeached, and this should have been a, certainly one of the reasons, but there are multiple reasons. No president has ever done anything like this, and I could say that in many instances with Obama. The domestic political espionage that took place on an opposition party, on an opposition candidate. I don't think there's any question about it. The politicization of the highest levels of the FBI, the Justice Department and the intelligence agencies, not to mention the NSC. It's disgusting. And all the media guns are aimed at Trump. Trump is the victim. Trump is the victim. We are the victim. This is a very, very long story, and it's called Part One. Part One of the secret backstory of how Obama let Hezbollah off the hook. Amazingly, it's in Politico, because this reporter, Josh Meyer, who we've been trying to get all day to come on the program, I guess they gave him the, the next, told him last time, when he came on the show, he's not allowed to do it again, as I'm not a big fan of Politico. I don't know how this guy gets to do this, but he did it. And he deserves a Pulitzer Prize. He does. Whether he comes on my show or not, whether he's banned from my show or not. This story is not getting the attention it deserves, because no story that reveals Obama for selling out America, as he did in so many instances ever gets fulsome coverage by the Praetorian Guard media. I can't read the whole thing. If I printed it out, it would be almost 60 pages. Again, it's part one, but I want to get into it a little bit. In its determination to secure a nuclear deal with Iran, the Obama administration, this is the first sentence, derailed an ambitious law enforcement campaign targeting drug trafficking by the Iranian-backed terrorist group Hezbollah even as it was funneling cocaine into the United States, according to a political investigation. So let's stop right there. Cocaine kills. Cocaine destroys. Hezbollah is funneling cocaine into the United States. And Obama, as you'll see, put the brakes on pursuing Hezbollah's activity in the United States and in our hemisphere. And, of course, Hezbollah uses this money, <clears throat> turns out billions and billions of dollars, to prepare for its war against our allies, including Israel. They are a militia for Iran. So as you listen to this, understand not only was Obama aware of this, Obama permitted it. Therefore, Obama facilitated it. Because our DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, was on, the, was on them. It was closing in on them. And the brakes were hit at the Justice Department. And you see Mr. Holder? Mr. Holder needs to be dragged before Congress. He needs to be dragged before Congress. He needs to be held to account for once in his damn life. 
The campaign dubbed Project Cassandra was launched in 2008 after the Drug Enforcement Administration amassed evidence that Hezbollah had transformed itself from a Middle East-focused military and political organization into an international crime syndicate that some investigators believe was collecting $1 billion a year from drug and weapons trafficking, money laundering, and other criminal activities. No, 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 you don't understand. we got to go after Michael Flynn. Over the next eight years, agents working out of a top-secret DEA facility in Chantilly, Virginia, used wiretaps, undercover operations, and informants to map Hezbollah's illicit networks with the help of 30 U.S. and foreign security agencies. They followed cocaine shipments, some from Latin America to West Africa, and on to Europe and the Middle East, and others through Venezuela, Mexico, to the United States. They tracked the river of dirty cash as it was laundered by, among other tactics, buying American used cars and shipping them to Africa. And with the help of some key cooperating witnesses, the agents traced the conspiracy they believed to the innermost circle of Hezbollah and its state sponsors in Iran. But as Project Cassandra reached higher into the hierarchy of the conspiracy, Obama administration officials threw an increasingly insurmountable series of roadblocks in its way, according to interviews with dozens of participants who in many cases spoke for the first time about events shrouded in secrecy and a review of government documents and court records. Let me stop here. 2008, ladies and gentlemen, who was the director of the FBI? Anybody? Who was the director of FBI, Mr. Producer? Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller was the director of the FBI. Just so you know. When Project Cassandra leaders sought approval for some significant investigations, prosecutions, arrests, and financial sanctions, officials at the Justice and Treasury Departments delayed, hindered, or rejected their requests. The Justice Department declined requests by Project Cassandra and other authorities to file criminal charges against major players such as Hezbollah's high-profile envoy to Iran, a Lebanese bank that allegedly laundered billions in alleged drug profits, and a central player in a U.S.-based sale of Iranian paramilitary Quds Force. The State Department rejected requests to lure high-value targets to countries where they could be arrested. That's Curry, Holder, Obama. That's Hillary. Obama. That's Loretta Lynch. That's Robert Mueller. Mr. Special Counsel. They were all in charge of law enforcement at the time in the State Department. <clears throat> this, poli- this was a policy decision. It was a systematic decision, said David Asher who helped establish and oversee Project Cassandra as a Defense Department illicit finance analyst. They serially ripped apart this entire effort that was very well supported and resourced and was done from the top down. From the top down! The untold story of Project Cassandra illustrates the immense difficulty in mapping and countering illicit networks in an age where global terrorism, drug trafficking, and organized crime emerge but also the extent to which competing agendas among government agencies and shifting priorities at the highest levels can set back years of progress. And while a pursuit may be shadowed in secrecy from Latin America, luxury hotels to car parks in Africa to banks and battlefields of the Middle East, 
The impact is not. In this case, multi-ton loads of cocaine entering the United States and hundreds of millions of dollars going to a U.S. designated terrorist organization with vast reach. Obama knew that hundreds of millions of dollars were going into this effort. And he knew that multi-ton loads of cocaine were entering the United States, going into our streets. Obama entered office in 2009, promising to improve relations with Iran as part of a broader rapprochement with the Muslim world. On the campaign trail, he had asserted repeatedly the Bush administration's policy of pressuring Iran to stop its illicit nuclear weapons program wasn't working, that he would reach out to Tehran to reduce tensions. The man who would become Obama's top counterism advisor and then CIA director, John Brennan, went further. He recommended in a policy paper that the next president has the opportunity to set a new course for relations between the two countries through not only a direct dialogue but greater assimilation of Hezbollah into Lebanon's political system. This is insanity. By May 2010, Brennan, then assistant to the President for Homeland Security and Counterterrorism, confirmed in his speech the administration was looking for ways to build up moderate elements within Hezbollah. Modern elements within a terrorist organization? Hezbollah is a very interesting organization, Brennan told a Washington conference, saying it evolved from a purely a terrorist organization to a militia and ultimately a political party with representatives in the Lebanese parliament and cabinet, according to a Reuters report. There's certainly the elements of Hezbollah that are truly a concern to us, what they're doing, and what we need to do is find ways to diminish their influence within the organization and try to build up the more moderate elements. Absolute insanity. In practice, the administration's willingness to envision a new role for Hezbollah in the Middle East, combined with its desire for a negotiated settlement to the Iran nuclear program, translated into a reluctance to move aggressively against top Hezbollah operatives, according to Project Cassandra members and others. Lebanese arms dealer Ali Fayad, a suspected top Hezbollah operative, whom agents believe reported to Russian President Vladimir Putin as a key supplier of weapons to Syria and Iraq, was arrested in Prague in the spring of 2014. But for the nearly two years Fayad was in custody, top Obama administration officials declined to apply serious pressure on the Czech government to extradite him to the United States, even as Putin was lobbying aggressively against it. Now you know why Putin backs Iran. Because he gets paid off. Now you know why Putin backs Hezbollah, because he gets paid off. Putin is worth over $40 billion. Imagine all that hard work. See, it pays off, kids. I'll be right back. Fusion GPS, the FBI obstruction of justice and cover-up on behalf of Hillary Clinton, the FBI uh, attempts to overthrow the Trump administration and the president, Mr. Mueller who closed his eyes to Uranium One, Mr. Mueller who closed his eyes to this, Mr. Holder who's being paid egregiously high fees to stir up um, uh, contempt and attacks on uh, on efforts to fix the voting system. Mr. Obama 
who is making an absolute fortune traveling the world with his billionaire buddies. Domestic surveillance that took place. And now this. The deal with Iran violated our Constitution, the Treaty Clause, with the help of Bob Corker, among others. $150 billion released to Iran, not just for its nuclear program, but for its conventional weapons program and terrorism to support Hezbollah, Hamas, and other terrorist organizations. Incredible. And they call Trump reckless. How in the hell is Trump been reckless in any regard with respect to his policies? Let's go on with this remarkable story from Politico. So we have this Lebanese arms dealer, Ali Fayyad. And he suspected top Hezbollah operative, whom agents believe reported to Russian President Vladimir Putin, a key supporter of what he was doing in Syria. He was arrested in Prague in spring of 2014. For nearly two years, he was in custody. Top Obama administration officials declined to apply serious pressure on the Czech government, which would have listened to us. It's a very close ally to extradite him to the U.S., even as Putin was lobbying against it. Fayyad who had been indicted in American courts on charges of planning the murders of U.S. government officials because he was backing this terrorist revolutionary group FARC in Colombia that had targeted U.S. officials and Colombian officials, and he was providing them with uh, with arms and other forms of support. Um, he was attempting to provide material support to a terrorist organization, attempting to acquire, transfer, and use anti-aircraft missiles, was ultimately sent to Beirut. He's now believed by U.S. officials to be back in business and helping to arm militants in Syria and elsewhere with Russian heavy weapons. Project Cassandra members say administration officials, that is Obama administration officials, also blocked or undermined their efforts to go after other top Hezbollah operatives, including one nicknamed the Ghost, allowing them to remain active despite being under sealed U.S. indictment for years. People familiar with his case say the Ghost has been one of the world's biggest cocaine traffickers, including to the United States, as well as a major supplier of conventional and chemical weapons for use by Syrian President Bashar Assad against his own people. And when Project Cassandra agents and other investigators sought repeatedly to investigate and prosecute Abdallah Asafadin, Hezbollah's longtime envoy to Iran, whom they considered the linchpin of Hezbollah's criminal network, the Justice Department refused, according to four former officials with direct knowledge of the cases. That would be Holder. The administration also ejected repeated efforts by Project Cassandra members to charge Hezbollah's military wing as an ongoing criminal enterprise under a federal mafia-style racketeering statute, task force members said. And they alleged the administration officials declined to designate Hezbollah a significant transnational criminal organization and blocked other strategic initiatives that would have given the task force additional legal tools, money, and manpower to fight Hezbollah. This is incredible. You want to talk about a congressional hearing? I'll be right back. An unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. This is my final live show of the year. I was going to do a show tomorrow, but I'm just unable to. 
But we are muscling through, both physically and intellectually, I believe. You know, this is the last week for Chamonix's Christmas and holiday sale, and the countdown continues, introducing the brand-new Genesel treatment for droopy eyelids. Here's Mary from Fort Collins, Colorado. I don't believe everything I hear, she said, but I tried this eye lift on my right eye. The next day at work, everybody said my right eye looked better. I couldn't believe it. Yes, all the saggy lines on your eyelids disappear. Best of all, this breakthrough eyelid treatment is yours free with your order of Genesel for bags and puffiness. Plus, you'll also get Genesel immediate effects for 12-hour results. Go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. Or call 800-SKIN-604. That's 800-SKIN-604. You know, it gets better. Order in the next 20 minutes, and you'll get two more classics, Esotic RF Collagen Builder and Deep Firming Serum Free. Call in the next 10 minutes. You'll get the Laysons Neck Treatment and Express Shipping Free with guaranteed Christmas delivery, but you got to call in the next 10 minutes for that. Order now to get these six free gifts, 800-SKIN-604. Hurry, because supplies are unlimited, they're going fast, and Christmas is also here. Almost here. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. Yep, the clock is ticking. You're running out of time. I don't mean you personally. I mean you're running out of time to get that deal, which is a great deal. All right, let me get back to... uh, uh Uh-oh, can I get back? I'm doing my best here, Mr. Producer. Let's see. What did I do? Hold on, everybody. i got to find the article again. This is way too important to just blow off. Um, Rich, if you can shoot it to me. All right, he's sending it. Told you, I'm doing my best. It's the way it is. Oh, I got it. Here we go. Um, Let's see. Please bear with me, folks. Well, here's the important part of this article. Isn't it amazing with all these media outlets that it took one outlet to piece all this together? Because the others don't care. The others don't care. Got it. Here we go. Project Cassandra members say administration officials also blocked this guy, the ghost. They were repeatedly blocked by the Justice Department. Four former officials with direct knowledge say the administration also rejected repeated efforts by Project Cassandra members to charge Hezbollah's military wing with RICO. But the former officials denied that they derailed any actions against Hezbollah or its Iranian allies for political reasons. This is Obama administration officials. There's been a consistent pattern of actions taken against Hezbollah, but through tough sanctions and law enforcement actions before and after the Iran deal, said Kevin Lewis, an Obama spokes idiot who worked at both the White House and Justice Department in the administration. Lewis, speaking for the Obama administration, provided a list of eight arrests and prosecutions as proof. He made special note of a February 2016 operation in which European authorities arrested an undisclosed number of alleged members of a special Hezbollah business affairs unit that the DA says oversees its drug trafficking and other criminal money-making enterprises. But Project Cassandra officials noted that the European arrests occurred after the negotiations with Iran were over and said the task force initiated the multinational partnerships on its own after years of seeing their cases shot down by the Justice and State Departments and other U.S. agencies. The Justice Department, they pointed out, never filed corresponding U.S. criminal charges against the suspects arrested in Europe, 
including one prominent Lebanese businessman formally designated by the Treasury Department for using his, quote, direct ties to the Hezbollah commercial and terrorist elements to launder bulk shipments of his illicit cash for the organization throughout Asia, Europe, and the Middle East. A former senior national security official, the Obama administration, who played a role in the Iran nuclear negotiations, suggested Project Cassandra members were merely speculating. This is a very, very long and significant article. I've barely touched the surface. So the Obama officials are trying to cover their tracks, smearing, pointing to successes in Europe. But the fact of the matter, ladies and gentlemen, there was obstruction and there was a cover-up. And I think it is fair to characterize this as the Obama administration facilitating the illicit funding of Hezbollah. The Obama administration facilitated the illicit funding of Hezbollah. It's worse. With the pouring of cocaine into the United States by Hezbollah. Cocaine hit our streets in part because the Obama administration wouldn't take out the Hezbollah network. This is a, you know, I, I, I look at this, and I look at the Uranium One deal, and I look at the Fusion GPS stuff, and I look at the domestic political surveillance stuff, and then I look at the media, where there are basically a handful of outlets that are serious about reporting this stuff. And the vast majority of the media, which either ignore it or downplay it. And I look at the never-Trumpers, who are so out of sorts about this election, who are just as upset as the left that Trump got elected. They have all lost their moorings. They have all lost their moorings. What the Obama administration did under cover of darkness is worse than any administration in modern American history. There used to be the church committee, and they did these hearings on the CIA, and the illicit activity that was involved, and they basically eviscerated the CIA. They used to talk about J. Edgar Hoover and what J. Edgar Hoover did, and how he threatened people. I'm telling you, this is all of that combined and worse. What's going on at the senior levels at the FBI? What's going on with Mr. Mueller? Mr. Mueller was the director of the FBI when this was taking place. The director of the FBI. Mr. Holder was the head of the DOJ for most of his time. Why? It's because the article printed is over is almost 60 pages and nobody's going to read it? This is, this is stunning stuff. Absolutely appalling. Disgusting. That's what I'm saying. This guy was no Neville Chamberlain Obama. That gives Neville Chamberlain a bad name. And on this domestic spying stuff, they were spying on the Prime Minister of Israel. They were spying, spying on the ambassador from Israel to the United States. They were spying on American Jewish organizations. They were spying on members of Congress. And nobody gives a damn. Except me. Nobody cares. However you want to describe it. They were spying on the Trump transition team. 
They were spying on individuals in the Trump campaign, if not on Trump directly. No big deal, right? Because Trump tweets, and you don't like his tweets. The FBI used, I would argue, until they prove otherwise, because all they have to say is no, but they won't say no. Used a 35-page hit job, smear job, character assassination job, drawn up in part, if not primarily, by Russian operatives, paid for through a laundering scheme by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee. And they're investigating Trump for collusion, for God's sakes. Tell me, has there been a single elected Democrat today who's come up, spoken out on cable TV, satellite TV, network TV, sonograms, a single one to denounce the Obama administration for what took place here? Not one. And it's one of their favorite news outlets, Politico. What we be hearing about the need for congressional hearings? No, it's Christmas time. Oh, no, we can't be involved in that. What's been done to this country? What's been done to this country? By Obama, the Democrat Party, and the media. We're learning more and more about it. The un-Americanism. You know what? It's worse than that. The anti-Americanism. The anti-patriotism. The ideologically driven agenda of these power-hungry narcissists. Whether they're dressed up as journalists, dressed up as politicians, dressed up as the head of the FBI, dressed up as the head of the NSC, however they're dressed up, the fact of the matter is, they have and are doing enormous damage to this country. Absolutely unbelievable. It's even worse. We read over the weekend that the lawyer for the Trump transition team is upset because apparently Mueller went through the back door to GSA directly to get emails from the transition team. Now, some so-called legal geniuses are all over radio and TV saying, what's the big deal? Those servers are owned by the GSA and everybody knew that. No, that's not correct. It's a little bit more complicated than that. But what do you expect? And I was talking about this, and Andrew McCarthy wrote about this in an excellent piece in National Review that just came out. The striking thing about the latest Mueller investigative controversy, a kerfuffle over the special counsel's acquisition of voluminous files from Trent's transition organization, is how unnecessary it is. The word transition implies an incoming president's transition team is not yet in the government. The president-elect will soon be running. It is thus an ambiguous state, a private entity that is being briefed on government operations as it conducts preparations for governing, an entity though through which private persons, non-governmental officials, are communicating with public office holders and other private citizens in order to recruit potential administration officials, discuss policy, and understand the responsibilities the new administration will be taking on. There are obvious legal matters to be discussed, and hence the involvement of lawyers in discussions that are potentially privileged. There are strategic... 
aspirations that go into public pronouncements and the formulation of policy. It's complicated. That is why if a prosecutor and investigator want to review presidential transition files, they should make the request directly to counsel for the presidential transition. That is the way to sort out any knotty legal issues with court intervention if necessary so that they do not become public controversies. But that is not the Miller way. It is not the Mueller way, as we saw with the utterly unnecessary pre-dawn raid on the home of Paul Manafort, busting in with a search warrant and guns drawn at the very time Manafort was cooperating with congressional committees and when he was represented by well-respected lawyers through whom Mueller could have requested production of whatever materials he was seeking. It's because these are mobsters. They're thugs. Mueller's investigation is examining whether Trump campaign officials colluded in Russia's espionage operations to interfere the election and whether contacts between Trump associates and Russian operatives amounted to actionable corruption. That being the case, the relevance of at least some transition materials is obvious. <coughs> but let's put aside complaints about what, in effect, is Mueller's general warrant the kind of broad, non-particularized abuse of investigative license the Fourth Amendment was adopted to guard against. We actually talked about that here a couple weeks ago, too. After all, there is a criminal investigation of Trump collusion with Russia, regardless of whether McCarthy says, I think there should be. That being the case, be foolish to discount the likelihood, the certainty, that there's information in the Trump transition files about the incoming administration's contacts with Russia and other foreign countries. Indeed, it's well known that Michael Flynn and Jared Kushner, transition officials, have multiple contacts with Russian officials. Based on the letter one of the lawyers for Trump's transition team has sent to Congress, there's abundant reason to believe Mueller's investigators were well aware that Trump's transition organization, Trump for America, claimed ownership and control of the presidential transition team records. The repository for those records was a government agency, the GSA. But GSA was basically a filing cabinet, not a transition operative, much less the decision maker about the disposition of the files. Let me cut to the chase. What Mueller did is make it impossible for the lawyers of the transition team to go to court to stop Mueller. Because Mueller apparently went through the back door, got all these communications, apparently 10,000 or more, through this government agency. So... The lawyers to the Trump transition team didn't even have an opportunity to go to federal court to stop them or to challenge them or to have it resolved. Pretty incredible, isn't it? I'll be right back. in. Thinking about your home security, there's no better time to get it than right now. You've heard me sing the praises of Simply Safe Home Security. It's the best protection, period. Simply Safe has put together a massive security arsenal for your home, a special package hand picked just for you. It's got entry sensors, motion sensors, glass break sensors, everything you need to stop criminals from ever touching your home. And right now for the holidays, my friends at Simply Safe are giving you, my beloved listeners, an absolutely incredible offer. Get $200 off this special hand-picked security package. 200 bucks. It's complete protection for your home. 
Simply Safe is already the best value in home security, and these are the guys I trust. No contracts, no commitments, no wiring, but right now, and I mean right now, you have to act to get $200 off this holiday special security package. So go to simplysafemark.com now. This is possibly the best home security deal you'll ever see. That's simplysafemark.com, and you'll save 200 bucks on my special Simply Safe Home Security holiday pick. Simplysafemark.com. Well, okay. Let's see. I haven't taken any calls, have I? Michael in Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Hey, Mark. I just wanted to let you know I was part of the operation that oh. discovered Hezbollah shipping wrecked cars from the U.S. to Western Africa. You see where they mentioned in that article, Western Africa. Mm-hmm. And what we discovered was that uh, Arab Muslims in the U.S. were going to car auctions, particularly in Fredericksburg, Virginia, shipping wrecked cars, which made no sense. We were trying to figure out why do they want wrecked <coughs> cars. These were totaled cars and they would ship them to Western Africa. It turns out they were loading the cars with money and drugs, shipping them into Ivory Coast and Benin, and then distributing the money to Hezbollah operatives. And as I followed the cars to Ivory Coast, I, I looked into Hezbollah in Ivory Coast, and we were shocked. I found the head of Hezbollah in Ivory Coast, Yassine Nasri, and and he was planning to build a $300 million shopping center called a Quaba Center Project in Abidjan, Ivory Coast, to launder money for Hezbollah. We also found that Hezbollah was, was smuggling a half a million dollars a week every Wednesday on Middle Eastern Airlines out of Abidjan into Lebanon. And when I brought this all to the FBI... My FBI contact was ecstatic, and his bosses were... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Have you gone public with your name? I'm just curious. Don't don't give it to me, Pat. Oh, no. Oh, no, and that's not my real name. No. Are you willing to hold on so we can talk a little bit further? Sure, of course, and I can send you pictures. And hold on, course. hold on. We're on the air. Hold on. We're going to carry over to the next era. We'll be right back. This is intriguing. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. This will be our last hour my live programming this year, we have some wonderful guest hosts lined up. Bongino, Shapiro, Cunningham, Ferguson, and O'Connor, buddy Larry O'Connor. And we have some of our uh, greatest, best shows as well. So we're going to keep you fully entertained. Over there at Levin TV, we've got some great stuff too while I'm out. <clears throat> Uh, the folks there spent months putting together some of our best stuff, little clips. So I think you're gonna. Some of it's hilarious, quite frankly. Some of it I don't think we've even aired. Who knows? But we're trying to, uh, you know, keep keep the ball rolling even during the holiday season. 
I want to go back to Michael, Fredericksburg, Virginia. That's not his name. That's not his location, and I get it. He was telling us more about what Hezbollah was doing. Go ahead, Michael. I had to cut you off. Well, what we discovered was that Hezbollah had a massive car smuggling operation of wrecked cars from the United States to Western Africa and apparently other places, but I was only involved with Western Africa. And they would load the cars up with money and drugs and ship them to... Uh, hubs like Abidjan, Ivory Coast, or or Benin, or Togo, and then the drugs and the money would go to whoever Hezbollah wanted to send it to. So I traveled to Ivory Coast on several occasions after we had looked at these car dealers here in the United States working out of the car auctions and fronts for selling used cars, but in fact it was a an operation to ship the wrecked cars. And the FBI was wondering, why do they want wrecked cars? And it's because they were smuggling contraband in the cars in sea containers, which no one checked. And when I got to Ivory Coast, I discovered the head of Hezbollah in Ivory Coast, Yassine Nasri, was planning to build a huge $300 million shopping center so they could launder money. And I provided the FBI with pictures of his Hezbollah flags and, and pictures of him in his office with um, associates from Hezbollah. And they were just ecstatic. And we tracked cars. I actually found cars there that had come from here. They were jumping for joy. And then after a couple meetings with my FBI contact, he came back and said, we're not allowed to do anything with this. I said, what are you talking about? It's Hezbollah and Ivory Coast. So we can't do anything with it. We had even discovered that they were. Uh, now, so now what year would this? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What year would this be? It was 2009, 2010. I'd have to go back and look at the reports, but it was around 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, it's fine. Uh, we we also discovered they were operating out of the Golden Dome Mosque. We knew the exact mosque. We knew where they were living. We knew who was doing it. And we knew that they were smuggling a half million dollars a week on Middle Eastern Airlines every Wednesday out of Ivory Coast to, um, to Lebanon. So uh, a lot of information was crystal clear. And then I was shocked when my FBI contact came back and said, we can't do anything with this. I said, what are you talking about? Well, we can't do anything with it. I thought, oh, my gosh. It was so bizarre. 2008, 2009, the head of the FBI was Robert Mueller, was he not? I don't I don't know, actually. I'm embarrassed. Well, he was. He was. He was the head of the wow. FBI, I think, for like 12 years until Comey came in. So, yes, he was the head of the FBI, and he's now busy chasing, uh, you know, people who yeah. uh, false statements. Process crimes. Well, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to focus on Hezbollah because they're nice. Exactly. Um, yeah. Without without identifying yourself, the story in Politico that I ran, I read just maybe ten, twelve percent of it. <clears throat> so you not only know it rings true, you know it is true. I know it is true. I personally was there and took great risk to get that information, only to have them say we can't use this. And they were, and you were told the highest levels of the Justice Department and the FBI. Not in those words, but yes. Well, what words? The, what were you, you know, told? The people in in leadership would not let them use it. And you had no idea why. I had no idea because the FBI doesn't share information downstream; they only share it upstream. So 
they would they would barely tell me anything and then I would go over with the instructions they said and I also set up a front car dealership to to mix with the Arab Muslims that were selling that were buying the cars and shipping them here but they wouldn't tell me anything I knew that they Let, were Let's let's the, stop right there. The Ar- the Arab Muslims here. Mhm. Were these people associated with Hezbollah, or they, or they were um, supportive of Hezbollah, or you don't know? We didn't know at that point. Even the FBI wasn't sure who these Arab Muslims were connected with. And when I brought back pictures of the Hezbollah flag in this man's office, they were stunned. And um, pictures, you know, we surveilled the Golden Dome Mosque and surveilled the apartments where these guys were living, lavish lifestyles with, you know, cable, um, satellite TV and all this, in the middle of, the, of a nasty country that just has no money. And there was even a, a restaurant called Shea, uh, it was Che Shea. It was a Marxist restaurant that all these Lebanese uh, operatives went to. Because you're talking about Marxism, there's the, you know, the nexus there is, it's the, you know, that's it. It's solid. It's a Marxist influence with these terrorists. But, um, the, the information was crystal clear. Here's Hezbollah. They're going to set up a $300 million money laundering shopping center. It would have hundreds of stores and they shut it down and said, we can't do anything with it. And when Donald Trump tries to confront this Iran deal. And when Donald Trump is trying to reverse course, he's getting a lot of resistance from the Democrat Party, including people who had to know about this. Obama, Holder, Mueller, a lot of resistance from this, and I have to assume that the House and Senate Intelligence Committees were briefed on this too, wouldn't you? Yes. Not only that, but um, you know the old legal phrase, knew or should have known. Mueller knew or should have known that all this was going on. He had to know. All these people in intelligence knew or should have known that uh, Hezbollah was smuggling this stuff once this report got upstream. So they had to have uh, an affirmative, proactive reason to shut it down. There had to be a reason they didn't want... Let me, let me tell you a little Hezbollah. secret. Let me tell you a little secret. When I was chief of staff to the Attorney General of the United States, every week... We would have a meeting around a table in his conference room, actually off the conference room, <clears throat> and it would be the FBI director, the DEA director, uh, the deputy attorney general, the associate attorney general. Um, I would be there. Some others, I can't remember everybody. They've, this would be our law enforcement meeting. And everything and anything like this would have been, because we did nothing like this, would have been discussed at that meeting. Mm-hmm. And the attorney general would have known about it. And if the Attorney General knew about it, uh, the Attorney General got his orders, clearly from the White House and probably from the State Department, to put his brakes on this stuff and to put the foot on the brake in order to allow them to go forward with their so-called diplomacy. Right. And I think the only way you get to the bottom of this is to bring Holder in, to bring Mueller in, <clears throat> to bring uh, Hillary and or Kerry in, put them all under oath at one at a time, and uh, and find out what took place here. And it helps that a, that a uh, leftist website like Politico has this massive article, and it's only called Part One. So there's a Part Two coming. Right. And you and you are verifying 
uh, we've kind of checked you out off the air. You're, you're verifying a little piece of this. You're saying, I can tell you who, how I had to deal with this, <clears throat> what took place. And you're saying, yes, yeah, somebody all of a sudden put the brakes on. Yes. And it was an enormous intelligence item. You know, an item is something you can act on. We knew the pilot was taking a half million dollars a week, could have been shut down. We knew that they were shipping the cars, could have shut it down easily, but they didn't, and they pulled everything back. I mean, and what's further, Mark, is when I was uh, in the in the northern parts of the country, you know, the jungle, it's not really the jungle, it's like the country. Um, I told Which country them, again are we talking about? What's that? Which country? You said West Africa. Ivory are you allowed Coast. to say? Ivory Coast. Coast. Oh, you pointed that out. Okay, got it. Yep. Right. And when we were up in the north of Ivory Coast, I could see that there were areas that were abandoned by the military where uh, terrorist organizations could set up training camps. I told the FBI about this. They were very interested, wanted to pass it on to Defense Intelligence Agency. That was shut down, too. And then we got Boko Haram exactly where I said they would set it up. Were you a fairly senior operative? No, I was a guy who was a contractor. I had done a couple of stings with the FBI because I did private intelligence. And I did a couple stings with the FBI, one on a Russian colonel, uh, one on a guy trying to... All right, you're talking too much. As a lawyer, I'm just trying to help you out. Okay. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. All right. But anyway, but, yeah. I had done a few things with them. And we just sort of fell into this situation with the cars i lived in the area i knew a lot of arab muslims um they accepted me and um we ended up uh, falling into this thing but the the intelligence that was gathered was profoundly important and it was shut down and and it was apparently the intelligence gathered was extensive and very substantive they got them with their uh with their activities in central america in south america in africa uh, in the United States, this Hezbollah is a, uh, it's networked throughout the world. People just think of it as a militia arm of Iran. Well, it's raising funds for itself and Iran. And enormous a number, amount of tons of cocaine came into this country, according to this political uh, article. So it turns out that the Obama administration was, in effect, a massive drug dealer. Isn't that right? Yes, I would say so. We knew through um, intelligence associations that Hezbollah was said to be moving uh, cocaine and heroin through the Bekaa Valley in Syria and that, that it would come through there without any interference and they could ship it to the United States. And there was a lot of of chatter about them shipping drugs. And what we found in Western Africa was that Hezbollah seemed to be much more of a financial organization than a terrorist militant organization. There's now, let me tell you, they're planning for war against Israel. Iran, Hezbollah, there's stories today that uh, they've got this, uh, this trail that they wanted that brings them right up to the border with Israel, Hezbollah in Syria, protected by the Russians. We now know that uh, through this article, among others, that Putin is on the take through Hezbollah in Iran, making absolutely a ton of money. Um, uh, all these crooks and cronies, uh, of course, in the name of Allah, when it comes to uh, comes to Iran. <clears throat> but anyway, listen, don't hang up. My producer wants to speak to you, okay? Okay, Mark. All right, I appreciate your call very much. So the Obama administration 
was allowing the Mexican drug cartels, some of the most brutal in the world, if not the most brutal in the world, to purchase weapons and ammunition from uh, from the United States, including gun dealers, <coughs> which were used extensively to slaughter people in Mexico, as well as one of our heroes here in the United States. The Obama administration is now confirmed through Politico and this gentleman, uh, also put the brakes on uh, the investigations of Hezbollah and their drug running and other illegal financial activities uh, intended to arm that terrorist militia organization because they said that they were uh, pursuing peace. The Obama administration cut deals with Castro in Cuba in order to open up relations with them and put an embassy there only to be rewarded with some kind of uh, of a sound system that has caused brain damage and hearing damage to uh, many, many diplomats who were in our embassy there. And, of course, the Cuban government survives by drug dealing. The Castros were one of the biggest drug dealers in the world. And the Democrat Party supports all these policy efforts. I'm not saying supports drug dealing, obviously. Supports, uh, supports all these Obama foreign policy efforts. Now, I wonder if somebody would corner Ben Cardin, the phony buffoon who is a Democrat senator from uh, Maryland. Or somebody would corner uh, Chuck Schumer, the phony buffoon leader of the great empire state of New York, <clears throat> or any of these people, and press them on it. Where's Jake Tapper? Where's Wolf Blitzer? Where's Brian Stelter? Where's Don Lemon? They're nowhere. Nowhere. Where's the conga line? <clears throat> Where's the conga line of freaks over at MSNBC? They're nowhere. Where's that clown Lawrence O'Donnell? Busy screaming at his staff? Where's that idiot? Uh, what's what's the big one over there? The big ratings guy. I can't remember her name. I don't even watch her. Her. That's right. Her. Where's she? Nowhere. Where's Mr. Uh, Chris Matthews? He now appears he has little problems going on. Not that I'm surprised. Where's any of them? Nowhere. Why wasn't this story broken by the Washington Compost? Why? Well, why would it be? Why wasn't this story broken by the New York Slimes? Why? Why, why would it be? They were covering up the Holocaust. How about meet the depressed? No. Not Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd's very busy. Where's uh, George Stephanopoulos? Well, he was the head of the Clinton war room. You can't expect him to report anything. And on and on it goes. It's disgusting. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Colonel Clark, San Antonio, Texas. Wait a minute. Is this my buddy? This is, sir. Are you going to get in trouble, though? Are you going to get in trouble? No, no sir. I'm not going to say anything about any, any right. remarks about any elected official. You do that well enough for me. <laughs> but I, okay. But I wanted to tell you that you're, we're happy, a lot of us are, uh, I for one am, um, that we have a statesman, finally. And I know you've mm. called for a statesman to be put mm-hmm. in office um, for many years. And I think President Trump is showing signs of that, especially with his national security speech today. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with 
loving country and being nationalistic. Unlike some of these people who say, oh, he's a, you know, they throw this into like he's a Nazi or anything like that. If they did their research, mm -hmm. they would see that. Uh, well, he has a funny way elected. of showing it, doesn't he? I mean, right. uh, he's doing all kinds. I, I, I tell you, I said earlier in the show, I said it a couple of weeks ago. When you look at what he's been doing, um, and you don't have to agree with everything, he's certainly the most conservative president since Reagan so far. So far. That's it. He's he's you know if the economy takes off, he'll be out there with Silent Cow and Ronald Reagan, and mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. And by the way, I'll be retiring in about six or seven months, Mark. And uh, oh man, then then you're unleashed. <laughs> and perhaps I will follow your advice that you gave me long ago when I was uh, calling you from Afghanistan. What did I say? Oh, on, really? Man, you have my backing, no matter what you run for. You know that, right? I know that. I mean, you you have been uh, always an inspiration, even during the the dark times, just listening and, you know... Uh, Listen, I'm going to go, but Colonel, have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. And keep in touch. Keep in touch. We'll be right back. constitutional lawyer you can see today for free no appointment necessary just call him at 877-381-3811 you know i love my car i love our 2010 camaro it's the original of the new camaro series it's beautiful but it's reached that age where things are starting to go wrong so i don't worry about those problems anymore not since I got extended vehicle service protection from CarShield. Getting covered by CarShield is such a great idea. It's affordable protection that can save you thousands for a covered repair. A new fuel pump costs over $500. Replacing a water pump, that's over 1000 <clears throat> And if you need repairs to a control arm or a torque converter, and most of us don't even know what that is, right? Now we're talking thousands of dollars to fix. Now, they even have plans that cover your car's computer, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield is the ultimate in extended coverage, and they get your favorite mechanic or dealership paid directly. So, in other words, you don't have to pay, and then you have to send them the invoice, and then you have to wait three weeks and so forth. They'll handle it directly. So sign up today, get 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is in the shop. Save yourself from high repair bills. Get covered by CarShield, like we did, before something goes wrong. Call 800-CAR-6100, mention code LEVIN, or visit carshield.com, use code LEVIN. Again, 800-CAR-6100, or carshield.com, code LEVIN in either case, so you can save 10%. That's carshield.com, or 800-CAR-6100, code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, a deductible may apply. It's also a great gift idea. And while you're thinking of gift ideas, can I just mention something? A book is very cheap. I think on Amazon, I think my Rediscovering Americanism and hardback, it's soon going to be paperback. So if you want to get a hardback, you kind of need to grab it. It's 40% off. So it's 16 or 17 bucks. <clears throat> and you can get it if you order quickly in time for Christmas. And it is a good book. It's a solid book. And it beats getting a tie. Or something that just goes away very quickly. 
And it also lays out the case. So if you have a conservative member of your family, your father, your mother, one of your kids, your husband, your wife, your aunt, your uncle, whomever you give gifts to, it's the perfect gift. I'll bet they're going to make a big fuss over it, too. Rediscovering Americanism and the tyranny of progressivism. If we can spread the word to as many people as possible, that'll help. Trust me. I want to mention one other thing, so I'm not rushed at the end of the show, which is coming fairly quickly. This is my last live show this year, as I mentioned. We'll have some wonderful best ofs. I've got some wonderful guest hosts, too. So we've lined it all up so it's not dead air. But it's been an enormously important year. It's been a fascinating year. In some ways fascinating good, in some ways fascinating bad. But I feel like we're one big family here. I really do. One big town hall meeting, too. For you to join my show on the West Coast at 3 p.m., if you hear it live, on the East Coast at 6 p.m., at all times in between, in Hawaii and Alaska and all over the world, that tells me you really want to hear what we're talking about. You really want to hear what I have to say, that you're a big supporter of the program. And I want you to know, I do not take it for granted. I work very hard to prepare for this program. you got to go through a lot of stuff if you want to do the program the way I do, which is a substantive program. I hope it's entertaining. I hope every now and then you're cracking a smile, even laughing out loud. Uh, but I do not, you know, consider this uh, something that you just blow through every day. And I prepare, and my parents taught me to work hard, and I work hard. And I want to thank you. I've been doing this now, how long have I been doing this, 15 years Yeah, 15 years. I know I haven't done it 30 years or 25 or 27 or whatever it is. 15 years. I didn't start out to be a radio host. Although, I'm reminded when I was 16 years old, I did a little radio on a station in Philadelphia called WCAU. It's now WPHT. As a teenager, I did it for about 30 minutes because I wanted to try it. And I had harassed the program director enough where they let me try it. Then I, I remember back... In the late 1970s, when I was in my early 20s, I tried a little bit of the station WWDB, which really doesn't even exist anymore, I don't think, in Philadelphia. But I never intended this to be my ultimate career. And things worked out where it is. And the truth is that I can't have a radio career if you don't want to listen to me. And so I know I'm blessed, and I'm blessed by you. Those of you who come and listen to the program, whether it's on AM or FM, whether it's live or delayed, whether it's on satellite or you download it from your iPod or your Mark Levin app or your iHeartRadio app, millions and millions and millions of you. And I'm enormously grateful. And this is my long way of saying, my long-winded way of saying that uh, I wish you all, those of you who are celebrating the final days of Hanukkah, a wonderful, wonderful Hanukkah. And those of you who will soon be celebrating very soon Christmas, I wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. And uh, have an opportunity to be with your families, I hope. I want to wish all of our men and women overseas all the best and thank them specifically. Uh, They could be doing other things, but that's what they're doing in an all-voluntary military. And there's a lot of weight on their shoulders. And I want to thank them very, very much 
for everything they're doing for us. And some of them are very young. <clears throat> and I want to thank them. I want to thank all the people out there who help other people. And I want to thank all the people out there who help animals. And if you, you know, think about it, if you're little kids, little grandkids, getting them a dog is a perfect thing to do. Or a cat, or whatever you're interested in. I happen to be a dog guy. But I would strongly encourage you to do that. It will change your lives for the better. And those of you who've had dogs and you've suffered through their passing and their illnesses as we have, it takes a period of time to mourn. It really does. But I hope you'll go out there and get another dog. And they don't have to be puppies. Puppies are fine. But there are other dogs out there who need homes too. That's why I set up this Pepsi, Griffin, Sprite gift legacy. And I put money into that, and I hope you'll also donate to organizations, no-kill shelters in your neighborhood. <clears throat> Not the national groups, the local groups. And one other thing, point of personal privilege. I'm uh, extraordinarily lucky to have two wonderful parents. My father my mother are still with us. Again, I'm extraordinarily lucky. And all the passion you hear in my voice, all the studying I ever did, anything I have ever been, and I will be, <clears throat> is thanks to them. It's thanks to them. And my wonderful kids and grandkids, too. Got a beautiful, lovely wife. And my mother-in-law. She hates to be called my mother-in-law. Outstanding people. I'm surrounded by wonderful, wonderful people. And they're the ones who make me. I just get behind the microphone or get behind the camera, but they're, they're really the, uh, they're the team. And I know all of you have your own team too. You have all your, your families. This is a wonderful time of the year. I think we're also blessed with the outcome of the election, quite frankly. I really do. I think we dodged a proverbial political bullet. If Hillary Clinton were president of the United States, this country would be it would be a disaster. The more we learn about what Obama has done and Hillary has done, the more disastrous you can see it would have been. And for all the vicious, personal assaults that President Trump takes, and he fights back, and that's what we like about it. That's what I like. He really is making headway. He really is. And when he's pursuing the conservative agenda, whether it's judges, whether it's supporting the military, whether it's confronting uh, uh, Islamo-Nazism, whether it's trying to secure us as a nation state, strengthen our economy, he really deserves our support. We don't have to hang on every tweet. We don't have to hang on every word. We don't have to hang on every back and forth. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. His enemies, quite frankly, are mostly our enemies. Nasty people in the media who finally have come out of the closet as the leftists that they've always been. <clears throat> 
the Democrat Party, which wants to take us in a direction that is clearly anti-our founding and anti-constitutionalism. And a president in Obama and a party that really did enormous damage to our military, to law enforcement. We, the American people, we hold these institutions high. So we are blessed that this president was sworn in on January 20th, 12.01, 12 and 1 second p.m. We really are. So we have a lot to be thankful for in in this year, and hopefully next year will be better. And it will only be better if if we do the kinds of things we need to do in our personal lives and quite frankly, publicly and politically. So there's my little rambling. I didn't want to wait till the end of the program to do it. <clears throat> I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Sitting here thinking, I have the most decent older brother, my brother Doug. Just the most decent guy in the world. Always has been. My buddy Rich Cementa is my executive producer. A loyal, wonderful guy and a buddy of mine, a friend. For what is it, Rich? Fifteen years just about. My man Charlie heading the phones. It's not easy. Trust me. Just a good guy, and all all my guys, Doug, David, Chris, and the rest at Levin TV. I'm just blessed. I just am. And I want to thank you all. You know, government handouts are everywhere, and people and institutions who claim to love independence are all too glad to take it. It's disgusting that our system takes money from good people like you and then turns around and gives it to liberal colleges and a million other stupid things. Colleges are all too eager to grab the money and do whatever it takes to keep the money flowing in. All colleges but one, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale's been with us for years and years and years. What a magnificent institution and sponsor. I'm telling you, Dr. Larry Arn is the president, just a truly superlative person. Hillsdale doesn't take one penny of government money. Why? Because Hillsdale refuses to let government bureaucrats dictate what they must do and teach. Everything Hillsdale does, from the financial aid that 97% of its students receive to the free online courses it offers you, depends on people who choose to donate to help train a new generation of principled leaders. No matter what they major in, Hillsdale College teaches every student to pursue truth and defend liberty, to be outstanding citizens. And their free online constitution courses are teaching millions of Americans the same principles. You know, over the holidays... Learn how you can help Hillsdale further freedom at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Now, I want to do one other thing before we close with our callers. I want to play a song I play on special occasions. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. While the storm clouds gather Far across the sea Let us swear allegiance To a land 
that's free. Let us all be grateful for a land so fair. As we raise our voices, voices in a solemn prayer. God bless America. From above, from the mountains to the prairies, to the oceans, white with foam, God bless America, my home, sweet home, God bless here, ladies and gentlemen, and we don't take any crap either. No, we don't. I'm talking about all of us. You Levinites out there, you're a special breed. You're a special breed. And uh, I can't tell you again how much I appreciate it, but I want you to remember something throughout the holidays here. You're going to get a lot of negative news on TV and this and that. Just remember, there are tens of millions of us who feel the same way, tens of millions of us. You're not alone. You're not alone. We are going to fight as much as we can, the best way we know how, constitutionally, civilly, legitimately, to retain what's great about our country and to get the rest of it back. We don't give up because we're Americans. And Americans who love America, we don't give up. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I want to thank you again. Have a wonderful Hanukkah, a wonderful Christmas, a wonderful New Year's, and I will see you next year. Be safe. God bless you.